Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror. Freddy, Jason, Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat. But who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. I think I can speak for everybody here when I say that when you got your license when you were 16, it was the best part of your life. You were finally free. You could go out and do whatever you want without anybody in the car next to you. It was awesome. But when you ran out of gas, think about where you looked to find where you could get more. Now, I didn't think about it, so take a minute and really think about it. But where you looked were signs. I guess I never realized how important signs were growing up and even now as an adult, but thank God this week's guest was able to come by and just talk to me a little bit more about the importance of signs. But before we get to that, my old buddy Greg has came by to sit around and talk about some old Second City horror gigs that we did because we just needed the money. Enjoy the show. Have you seen Uncut Gems? Yes, I did. Did you like it? I did like it. I loved it. I I was the joke I made about it is um something like I just if I wanted to get yelled at I just got in a fight with my wife if I wanted to get yelled at for two hours I would just have watched Uncut Gems (laughs) because it really is a a really is a um a yelly movie it's pretty rough yeah but it's um it's very exciting it is I loved I love the filmmaking in it I loved all the weird characters in it all kevin the, garnett's great in it kevin garnett's great in it and yeah. there's weird twins uh yeah the, they're weird twin characters yeah um just all the characters that pop up in it the fat jew is in it weirdly <laughs> um and i thought his performance was great i i did get a little bit saturated with the level of yelling but i thought yeah. it was a compounding story which was really it felt like it like two hours and 15 minutes of a butt clenching anxiety roller coaster. Totally. And and it's interesting how I love the tension that they build in that movie where you just always feel like you're thinking, Oh, can't this guy just catch a break? And he right, can't. Right. And so that has such a great it doesn't really feel like a three act structure plotting of a movie you just Mm -hmm. kind of feel like you're on this tornado yeah and i really i did like that it's that tony soprano thing too where like like the what you just said he's an idiot and not maybe not a great person but you're still rooting for him absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so and it it reminded me of my life (laughs) please tell me (laughs) well you know just with improv you know you're always going you know you're trying to you know uh borrow from peter to pay paul and it just never really you know works out and you're constantly being threatened with violence for you know not doing a scene right no well as somebody who i've i've greatly admired and been in awe of even in chicago i didn't know you were having these feelings I oh yeah i, I probably uh, would have been better at it why do you think it. i'm always just screaming at everyone and really up <laughs> you against do it yell a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it just feels like he's a guy that's up against it i feel like <laughs> i feel like that's yeah. what the movie poster should say yeah he's up against it we have, i mean well let's spoil it yeah. that Last scene with Garnett in the office. Yes. Allie and I had gone to see it together, and there was like the moment, like, we, oh, we let go of each other's hands. Like, yeah. he did it. He got out of it. And right. then he does that line of, like, let's see what Vegas is saying. And oh. she out loud goes, What are you doing? No, it really is so yeah. frustrating. And it's kind of, I feel like I have friends like that too, where no matter what you tell them, they're always going to make the, the, wrong unhealthy decision sure and i feel like i'm someone who for years would get frustrated with people that i would think that i had a better answer for their lives and now i'm getting so much better at being uh, just saying you know what you do you but you care it probably comes from a place of caring right? i think it does i think it comes from a place i'm sort of a problem solver mentality Mm -hmm. and i like to help people fix problems and i think when I, i think i always had that instinct of being like well hey let's you know, you, you're getting evicted. Okay, well, let's see if we can't find you a new place. And yeah. you know, you it, and it would just be like, well, this person's getting evicted because they maybe should be evicted. You know, <laughs> right, and right. they don't need to be sleeping on my couch because you know, whatever. They're not going to leave. Right. Exactly. Are you that kind of friend? Because I have friends that are like this, where even if they, it's that train song. You know, that's like, uh, oh, you, your wh- best, which one? Even, even when you know they're wrong or whatever it is. Oh yeah. Uh, I love train. <laughs> Pat Monahan, who doesn't love him. I, I have a good train story after this. Go, uh, go on. But that for like, even if you know your friend's a fucking idiot, yeah, and 
like, yeah, they got fired because they were supposed to. That mentality of like, your boss is an asshole, man. Right. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like being on their side. I think yeah. I am. I think I am like that. I think I'm loyal to a fault where I will be on their side, but also be like, but you, you met, I have answers that you, you know, I, right. I can problem solve for you. Yeah. So I don't know. The public display is like, I'm totally with them. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And you really shouldn't do that. And yeah. Yeah. What's your train story? Well, I, it, I always, every time somebody brings up train, I think about, <laughs> um, we used to do these gigs with Second City, which you did many of called Bizco. Yes. Which are, there's two, kind of two wings of Second City. One is, you know, the, the illustrious jobs of the stages and getting to write your own material or touring. Yeah. Um, and then the other side is these corporate jobs, which pay more, but you're shilling for brands oh, at their annual meetings or doing meeting breaks, et cetera. Yeah. And I remember one year uh, we were hired by Altria, which is the yes! parent company yes! of Philip Morris yes! cigarettes. I did a bunch. Yes, I'm oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. Did you do an Altria? I gig? did a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. I was in there. Oh, I think they were like paying Second City's electric bill for years. It was an outrageous amount of money. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember I went to the Gaylord Texan Hotel with a bunch of actors. We were made to dress up as different generations of cigarette um, users. So I was a 1970s dad in a TV, and it was truly like Epcot, but we were live actors on these little Epcot sets inside glass boxes where where the salespeople from Altria like walked by and pointed us like we were apes in a cage. Oh it my was God. so crazy. Yeah. And going and they were all like these blonde Texan like sure. oh my God. Look at this. Look at this actor, y'all. Yeah. Like and they were like yeah. just dripping with diamonds in my mind. <laughs> right, right, right. And um we did a show and then the uh, annual party was played by train. Get so yes. you got to see the train concert? Well, I did not go to see train. You didn't see train? <laughs> no, oh, I don't know. I think I got drunk in a hotel ballroom at the Gaylord. You Texan need to after those games. And, and and ate a shellfish tower. Well, you know, it was just yeah. the money was out of control. I was the Dwight Schrute oh, in the yes. training video things that they did. I mean, can you imagine if these things ever resurface? No. In, in ten I, I my prayer is that in ten years we're all famous enough that then we just get dragged online because we were in some Altria training video. I'm so I I'm back in my hometown, Allen Park. Yeah. And I'm hanging out at a Panera Bread. I can always tell you're from Michigan when you say Allen. Really? Yeah. Allen Park? Allen. Allen Park. You gotta you gotta uh, flatten that A out. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And I'm sitting there and I, I go, I put my I throw away my stuff and I'm there's a group of people, like four or five people sitting at a table, and I walk by them and I notice two of them look at me. And they start whispering to each other. Oh boy! And in my head, I'm like, maybe they saw a show or something yeah. in Chicago, like feeling kind of good for. Was a, it a couple of viral vids? You know, I did some things online, uh, <laughs> and I'm not nearly as famous as a lot of our friends, but maybe you know. And then I walk back, and they flag me down, and they go, "Hey, um, not to be weird, but uh, are you in an Altria training video?" Oh, and boy. I was like, "Yep." They all worked for Altria, and they had all seen the video, and they—they—that's where they recognized me from. Isn't that both simultaneously depressing and kind of hilarious? Yes, it's absolutely both of those things. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like such a monster doing those videos. I tell the story. I don't think I've ever told it on a podcast, but I, I was with our mutual friend Mark last night, and um, we were laughing again about a Second City Bizco story where. Um, it was for the Jewish. It was for the Jewish League, uh, Orthodox Jewish League of Chicago, or something. Oh, a yeah. big Orthodox Jewish organization. And uh, on the gig were eight white men, uh, n- only one of whom was Jewish. Mm-hmm. I'm a tall, very Aryan-looking man with the last name <laughs> of Hess. And there could be no women <clears throat> in the show um, because of you know the Orthodox, the Orthodox. Sure. And when we get to the gig, there were men on one side of the room, women on the other side of the room in this ballroom that was a thousand feet long. <laughs> and uh, our, our also another friend of ours, TJ Shanoff, had written this opening number that was a 10-verse super fast patter song God. that was just chock full of Judaica, of which like only, like I knew like two of the Yiddish words. It was like, yeah. you know, like, Stup and um, you know shiksa. I think we're like, and it was this really complicated like. And none of us learned the lyrics because we all thought somebody else would have learned it. Right. 
So we go to get on stage and there's four of us on one stage and four of us on this big split stage. Right. And the stage manager comes back and he goes, uh, okay, places. And then he goes, uh, I'm not feeling very well. He turns around, he barfs into a trash can and then he goes, that came out both ends and just walked away. Shanoff? <laughs> no, oh, the stage oh, oh, the stage manager. Yes. So we were like, well, this is starting off great. So our stage manager had simultaneously barfed and shit his pants right before we went on stage. <laughs> and then it was just like, rumble, 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 rumble. The right. lights come up and we're all just bouncing back and forth going, well, here I <laughs> and no one knew the lyrics. And so we're just doing the side to side yeah. in the lights as we're all, and I swear, Adam, I've never felt actual flop sweat. That is the only time I my whole body exploded like oh with sweat. God. And we're just standing on. <laughs> and then the lights come up on the other side of the room. And those guys, three of those guys didn't know, except for the one Jewish guy knew every word. And he was just glaring at the other three guys as he like basically sang an ang angry solo opening number. And this went back and forth for like seven minutes as, as people just, we were just standing on stage rocking back and forth. Like no, no one knew the lyrics. So good. And at the end, the lights go down and all you heard was like, clink, clink, clink. like the silverware <laughs> on plates as people were confusedly eating dinner and then we had to do an hour and a half long show. Right. And yeah. What was Shanoff doing? Was he losing his mind? Oh, I think he was just laughing his ass off. Of course. Just like, yeah, you idiots. Like you should have learned the lyrics. But it was one of those things where you totally thought everyone else was going to do their job. Yeah. And so you could kind of cheat on your job. Right. And no one did their job. Some of the gigs that we were, that the theater agreed to send us to were pretty remarkable yeah we did one down in key west which was a a fundraiser for or a, a just maybe like a celebration or a fundraiser for the families of fallen police officers oh boy police officers <laughs> killed in the line of duty changes in attitude changes in latitude <laughs> <laughs> so we get down there and it's in this like hotel ballroom and admittedly everybody was having a nice time yeah they, they're getting hammered and they're having fun and you know what they should for what they've had to go through, like, yeah, that's great. But then at some point, we have to try to get them to quiet down so six assholes can go up and play, you know, take that back and, right. you know, uh, whatever, scene tag or whatever. Uh, nothing. Yes. They're competing with us to be louder. So at some point, there's video of it. I think I just, I ripped my mic off my head. I said, <laughs> fuck it. And I just sat down on the stage Whoa. for the rest of the show because <laughs> they weren't listening. Like, it was great. Yeah, I, I I had done a few of those gigs where you're not even given a show. You're just sort of this side, this yeah. side show that's yeah. happening as people are, you know, trying to eat from a buffet line. Of course. But why would they listen? I'm so happy that I'm not the only one who had to do the Altria thing. Oh, Altria was, that was rough. Drops of Jupiter, man. Oh, buddy. Now I can't down. listen to Train without thinking of Philip Morris. I mean, think about how much money that cost to book Train at a corporate event. They're not, it's not a small no. amount of money. I mean, in the year before that, they had, I think the year before that, they had Dave Matthews. It was crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, it was really crazy. Well, think of, I mean, what they spent for us to do those gigs right. was nuts. Like, I, I was like, great, this is three months worth of rent. <laughs> so <laughs> great. Me, you know? I just had, I remember I had pasted on sideburns <laughs> and it was in a glass box. Yeah. And our friend, uh, Brendan was in the one next to me and he was a farmer from the 1920s and they had an old time radio playing that would go off on a timer like every once in a while. Yeah. And we just would endlessly enjoy the bit of we'd be like i was you know watching tv in my glass box he was in his glass box like sitting next to the radio and every time the radio went off he would jump up and scream and act like he had never heard a radio before <laughs> and then and then and and like try to like kick the radio and say like get out get out of here spirits and stuff oh come on because just nobody was paying attention to us were they was it like a hall of presidents kind it was of like thing? a hall of really? presidents but a, a hall of cigarette history yeah. And what a great, luxurious, richful history that it is. I know, totally. And and interestingly, you know, that year it was all about smokeless tobacco. So they were just like, mm -hmm. you know, we walked out of there with a shopping cart full of, you know, <laughs> snooze was the thing that they were pushing. And, and it was just so bizarre. And you could go to a, 
you could go get a hat, a custom hat, uh, like a lids stitch with sure. your name on it. You could go play poker. You could that was what their weekend of sales training was, just living it up. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't, and I don't say this to be, you know, aren't I cool? I would never, I couldn't read the scripts before we would go shoot those things because I didn't know what any of it meant. Right. It was all tech jargon that I didn't know what it meant. And our friend Barry Height was the writer on those. Yes. Uh, so he would be kind enough to like, we'd have to break it down into chunks. Be like, what are these three lines? And well, we just run those over. And weirdly, like if you were doing it live, sometimes, you know, the setup would be uh, a conference and you'd walk in and you'd say, you know, be careful. Jeff's going to come in here with the C30s and right. it would get this huge laugh mm -hmm. and you would have no idea what a C30 was. It was some form that they have to fill out yeah. and everybody hates them, but you just kind of know like, okay, a C30 is a bad thing. Right. I'll, I'll really sell this and roll my eyes. And... I wonder what, like, what would it be for us if somebody came in to do a show, like when we were at Second City? Yeah, I don't know. I, I Yeah, it, it, it's, it's Make really... Make fun of, like, running orders or something? Right, or exactly. Chair sets or something? Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, Peacock, he's always late to call or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I, yeah, you just don't know. And then but... I'd get mad and be like, there's reasons why I'm late. Right, <laughs> exactly. We're there. I'm too hungover. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> that's, that's I only missed reason. van call, I think, twice. That's that's pretty good. I yeah. feel like um, there were. I remember. I I still I'm always on time. I feel like that's something that I'm like really good at. Yeah. And I I have like a horror like recurring like I have a horrible um, like if my phone rings that and I'm supposed to be on a gig or something. Yeah. And it's that person mm -hmm. that I'm like I've I've written down the wrong day. Right. I'm supposed to be flying to San Francisco right now or something. Yeah. So I'm always. There are times when I have genuinely done that where it, I thought it was like two hours later yeah. and just that absolute panic. Yep. Like I was saying to Holly, like stomach drops. Like, yeah. Oh God, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they came by and got me though. This is a good ad for uh, using Siri. Just I, I think put it so, in yeah. your phone. Uh, Brian and I were just talking. I still use a uh, date oh. book. That's I just got one brand new 2020. You know, I just found my date book from 2005. Really? It was, yeah, it was actually that's why I like those because you can physically go back and see what you were doing. Because <laughs> I never like yeah. look back through my eye calendar, but with right. a date book, I do like going back. What's and, the best thing you found in there? Oh, well, I could go back and I could find when I was doing because 2005 was kind of when I first really was performing a lot in Chicago. So mm -hmm. I was going back and I could see the first Cook County Social Club show I had ever done, or yeah. the first Show Pony show. There was this other team I was on, so that, those were kind of fun. And then the dorkiest thing was I would I would write notes to myself after shows, like you know, just Great. self, like like you know, try character, like try doing characters more, like <laughs> right. you know, yeah, like, like didn't support the second beat, right. like work on this. You know? I'm, and so, it's so sad. Yeah, I'm so stupid that I won't do that for fear of finding it later. And yeah. Back and like, what were you thinking? I know. And I found some sketches like that, that I'd written like years ago. And it's just so painful to read through yeah. because even just the stuff that I thought was worth talking about was so dumb <laughs> and sad. Right. <laughs> I think there was a moment I back in Detroit when we would go down and play the set when the theater was still there and I got up and did freeze and it was, fucking awful yeah like but i thought i was like i'm gonna crush yeah and then i came out and it was nothing it's so, brutal yeah well you know i have nothing of importance in here like i mean I, i'm gonna go back and look in the, the tiger's opening day when uh when like star wars came out <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i'm gonna yeah. have in there like nothing of any value went to movie <laughs> Went yeah. on walk. I tried. Somebody back in Chicago was doing, I think Irene's husband, Griffin, uh -huh. was doing a uh, a journal of, he would see every every movie he saw, he would journal. Right. Like who wrote it, who directed it, what the editor was, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to do that and I got through one movie. Wow. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. <laughs> so that's <laughs> when I wrote it. I wrote like how, what time I had at the theater and then that was it. That is so funny. Couldn't go wow, through. Wow, man, you're a real cinephile. Yeah, like y'all buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your spreadsheet's one cell, and it's yep. just a Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> I can talk your ear off about that movie. <laughs> you start, you have like color codes all set up for like green, and means I really liked it. Right, yeah. Yellow, not so yep. much. I have words like on sen written down. <laughs> and it's all just for Star Wars The Last it's Jedi. It's all just, yeah. It's a lot. You could really break that movie it's down. It's a great movie. Oh, so good. Wait, what is that? Which one is that? That's the not the one that just came out, the one before it. Oh, okay. I think I like that one. I like that one too. Yeah. This one that just came out, no one is talking about. If the people that I, they're either not talking about or how much it sucks. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I feel like there was just no chatter about it. I feel like it, it came and of, went. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seemed like with all the other ones, there's so much hype and build up. And this one, I just really felt like, I mean, I'm not on Facebook, so I, maybe that's it, but I, I'm on Twitter and I felt like I didn't see a single thing about yeah. it except for afterwards, people hating it. People are not fans of it. Yeah. And then I think everything's just baby Yoda now. It's crazy. Yeah. What is he is that? cute though. Or she, we don't know what it is. Right. Well, oh, it's not, it's not Yoda. That's I don't, what we're, it's the, it's, a, it's the type of alien that Yoda is. I believe that is correct. What kind of alien is Yoda? I don't know. I Dude, don't. you saw Last Jedi, you should know but this. But they don't say what it is. <laughs> I didn't color code that. I didn't think about it at the time. Why didn't you write down all the alien species that you're going to see in each movie? I'm a bad watching? cinephile. Gosh, dude, you suck. I, I buy Criterions and I don't watch them. <laughs> I just put them on the bookshelf. You're one of those guys that's like subscribed to all those uh, those like Netflix of uh, like various genre things and just never, you're, you're paying like a $90 yeah. a month thing for, uh, yeah. for a canopy that you're just never going to use. I'm in the red. Bad. <laughs> It's not. Good. I just if it's black and white, I fell asleep. I just. I, but I want people to think that I like <laughs> yeah, it. But I have this notebook. I do two times a year. Barnes and Noble does half off their Criterion's, and I go buy them. Barnes and Noble is still a thing that people go to. Yeah, really. Yeah, there's two of them not too far from here. Wow. At the Grove and the Americana. Okay. Yeah. I always kind of Barnes and Noble. Uh, there's something about it that creeps me out. I don't know what it is. <laughs> what? What? I think it has a creepy aesthetic. Really? I do. What about? That's I, very interesting because I always thought it was so welcoming and like. Really? Yeah. I feel like it has a. Well, first off, I don't know if they still do this, but the um the sort of tin type like author pictures that they do. Do you know what I'm talking about? I they, think so. Or they're like um, they're they're they look like uh, line cut sort of linotype. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I think it all seems like perverse 1890s British, um, just you, you know, it, it's just all dripping with sick Victorian ghost shit. Do you feel like it's kind of like they're being a little dishonest? I yeah, there's something about yeah. it that where I'm like, it it feel this is what it this is what it feels like to me. It feels like Gilded Age. <laughs> Like the, there's like Gilded Age design aesthetics that just feel like they're crusted with like the public's germs and feces or something. <laughs> like yeah, it's it's yeah, like yeah. in Walmart you go to Walmart and you know what you're getting. You're oh, like yeah. this is like shit and everybody is like mm -hmm. like it, it's just like it's all shit and we know it's shit. Yeah. But at Barnes and Noble they try to dress it up to in a way, but we're all these like dirty the dirty public is is it's like an old <laughs> shitty victorian library or something that's that makes you to, buy things when you're right like, yeah or i don't know if anybody relates to this i think i'm just no i get impressionable it. i find myself getting judgy of people that i see hanging out in barnes and noble like when they're sitting there reading my first thought is like you're not really gonna buy that book doesn't but yeah and well, here's my problem with it it's like <laughs> Yes, there's a picture of Oscar Wilde. It's in this kind of wooden gilt tinotype right. thing. And there's a chair and someone's reading a book. It, someone's browsing a book that they won't read in that chair because it's like next to Moby Dick with a, with a weird cut pages. <laughs> but then behind that, somebody's taking a shit. <laughs> like at the Barnes and Noble. That's what I feel like. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You do you do go into that bathroom and like the the ambiance of like I'm a I'm a learned person gets wiped away when you walk in there and yeah. somebody just fucking dropping brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bad aesthetic, I'm telling you. It's a bad dirty bookstore. There was a bookstore in Chicago that I really liked called Unabridged Books. Yes, I loved Unabridged. I loved that store. I loved myopic books too. Myopic was, was great. Yeah. yeah. Bar who are who are Barnes and Noble? Think about that. Don't they sound like like yeah. they sound like pedophiles from the eighteen nineties? Yeah, travel. Yeah, like <laughs> they'd show up in your town. Yeah, don't. everybody in, would in be a, enamored with, with them. a book cart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, with like etched out sketchings of whoever. Like yes. I don't know. Don't who's, go near who's Barnes and Noble at that time. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're, they're fucking your kids. Dude, you are gonna get sued for this. Hey, man, let them. It, let Barnes and Noble is gonna come after you. I live my life like the end of Rocky Five. <laughs> when he knocks out that guy, and he says, "Sue me for what? I got nothing." Wait, Rocky Five? Who's he fighting at? He fights Tommy Morrison. Tom, what Dude, machine gun? Uh, Tommy Gun. Tommy Gun. Never he, saw this. He was the real life heavyweight champ at the time, and only, they put him in the movie. Only watch Rocky One. 
didn't need to see any others. I watched Rocky One and I watched Creed. That's it. That's yeah. pr- that's good. But I had no idea who Creed was because <laughs> I only saw Rocky One. So I was like, "Who's this Creed guy?" And everyone said, "It's Apollo Creed's son." And I was yeah. like, "Don't know who that is." You didn't know who Apollo Creed was? No, because I never saw that one. Well, he's in one. He fights him in one. Oh, that's in one. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I saw like Rocky Two. He fights Creed and Rocky Two. <laughs> It's the the rematch from what? What a shitty franchise. He he fights Creed in one. Are you sure? He fights Creed in one, and he fights him again in Rocky 2. Okay, and then who's he fighting three? Clubber Lang, which was Mr. T. Clubber Lang, Mr. T. He fights Mr. T? Yes, he fights Mr. T. Is it Mr. T, but it's Mr. T with a different name? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Is Mr. T still part of the uh, Mr. T uh, A-team? Uh, in the movie? No, he's not part of the 18th. There's no movie. crossover. No, no, no. He's a different guy. I mean, on paper, he's a different Holy guy. Holy crap. This, yeah. this franchise is all over the place. Well, what's, in, and what's Rocky for? He fights the Russian. Okay. I Ivan think, Drago. You know what? That's the only one I've seen. <laughs> That's why I have no oh, idea. Well, everything checks out is. then. That, yeah. that makes total sense. Okay. Wow. Although, I mean, did you not miss? Did you see the first part of the movie? Because um, Creed fights the, the Russian and dies. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a great. And that movie. sort of spend, sends Rocky down a spiral that he's got to, def- you know, honor. That's his why I was so messed up with Creed, man, because right. I was just like, "Oh, it's the guy that's briefly in Rocky <laughs> Four. <laughs> no, I'm learning. The guy who. Why briefly... are they devoting another movie to this guy? Right. Well, yeah. I just thought it was genius that they're spinning off a whole thing about his son when he's just a guy that gets killed. That he's just Rocky's friend. See, I thought it was just Rocky's yeah. friend. That's okay. I can understand why you... Maybe I should do Rocky for my movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I cried at Creed. I thought Creed was so good. I loved it. I saw Creed at this really um, cheap movie theater in Holly's hometown of Niles, Michigan called... Beautiful. um, the, The... What's it called? The... The really cheap movie theater. The Galaxy? The Galaxy? We saw it at this movie theater that looks like a it it looks it looks like a movie theater that would have been built by the communists in Berlin <laughs> in like 1980. Yeah. Like Wonderland. the Wonderland cinema. It's Wonderland like cinema. this is going to be the future of cinema, but it's like the most brutalist I, I guess I'm just all about design today on this. It's this no, like concrete it. dome that looks like it's from a 2001 a space odyssey okay that you go in in the floor it was like poured to look like lava rocks come on and you can buy a movie ticket for a dollar a sandwich for four dollars a thing of po- endless popcorn for three dollars we took her and her like 11 uh, nieces and nephews and everybody and i think the whole thing cost 70 dollars it amazing. was like like what to go see creed it was great that's incredible that's the midwest that that's the Midwest. You can't get that here. You cannot. I think get that I spent seventy bucks on two tickets and two beers to go see like the Lion King. Yeah, I mean, I we were eating sandwiches in the movie theater <laughs> that cost four dollars. It was the best sandwich I've ever had. Was it? Were the all the seats in the same row? Oh, all the seats are in the same row, and it's just flat. You know, it's great. The sound is bad. It's yeah. flat. Your ass is asleep halfway oh, through because so there's a spring going through. It, it was, te- I mean, yeah. the, the theater itself is terrible, but um, yeah, I did love Creed. I think we had one in, in my town, well, two towns over, the the Showboat. Yeah. Showboat Theater yeah. is what it was called. You know what you're in for there. <laughs> yeah, there's like five screens. Yep. It had a big, like, what do you call those boats with the, the thing on the back? Like a fan boat fan boat is that or what it no, is oh, oh the uh, paddle wheeler like a, yeah. a river boat river boat yes thank you that was the logo fan boat the fan boat's what they drive in the everglades to go like <laughs> shoot alligators <laughs> that's the cool one would you ever shoot an alligator um no i wouldn't no. shoot an I, I don't think i could shoot an animal again again i i shot a lot of animals yeah growing up because i grew up in rural virginia i grew yeah. up hunting and doing all that stuff i shot a deer once and it it was like truly I think this is probably a moment in my young life where I was like, oh, I'm not made for this place. Where I, sh- <laughs> <laughs> I shot a deer <clears throat> and it was like dying and I just started crying. I, I had something similar happen. Really? What did you shoot? Uh, I didn't shoot it. We were out in... Like, you watched little... your friend shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> you were playing Buck Hunter. He was like, at... hey, watch this. <laughs> yeah, you were we playing were Buck a... Hunter at an arcade. We were in a bowling alley. Yeah. And it was my... You were at Showboat playing... <laughs> 
point buck hunter and then your friend shot the deer. And, and I wept. Coming. Yeah. They made me leave. I, there was a little area of woods behind my house growing up uh-huh. and we were tossing rocks into the water and my a little kid I was playing with hit a duck and it broke its neck. Oh yeah. And we watched the duck drown in a little bit of water and it fucked me up for like five days. I cried straight. Ain't that, ain't that an allegory for life though. But I did like it because I learned that I wasn't a sociopath. That's right. That I couldn't, I couldn't kill anything. And then cut to like 10 years later, you're just like loving duck. You like, you eat duck all the time. Can't get enough. <laughs> you're yeah. constantly eating duck. I like, I like to watch him kill it. That's right. Yeah. You're going to it. like the most like authentic Chinese Sichuan style. <laughs> There's ducks hanging. Every town I live in, I got to hunt them out. That's right. It's hard to find those places. You know, there's actually a really great duck place that was in Chicago called, did you ever go to this place? Mm-mm. It was in Uptown and they did the whole thing where the duck, <laughs> they didn't murder the duck in front of you, but <laughs> they brought the whole the whole roast duck out to the table, and then they sort of carve the duck. Yeah, and you know it cost like forty bucks for the duck. <laughs> yeah, and then I went there all the time, and then you know, like all good places, you know, I opened the paper one day and it was like shut down, for, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. terrible health code violation. Right. It was like, oh man, the duck place. <laughs> They had good food. I know. There was a Chinese buffet by my grandparents that got shut down for, you guessed it, human sex trafficking. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, at least I had a health code violation. I mean, you were clean. Safe. You were safe. Very clean. Yeah, that's right. Food was good. Food was excellent. <laughs> you know, and hey, I, who am I to judge? Yeah. Well, well. how, how are your uh, grandparents doing in prison? They're not great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did they run it? Yeah, they did. Okay. They're having a hard time. I'm uh, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Well. Name, I mean, everybody's grandparents. You're going to go through it with your grandparents at some point. It's, yes. For those of you listening, it's going to happen yeah. to you. <laughs> if it's not already. Both Holly and I from Michigan. It's more commonplace in Michigan. Totally. What do you call, do you guys are saying you call uh, gr- Grumbies? Grunt? Grundies? Gritters. Gritters. Grundies is what we call the Grundle in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> That's another word for taint. Um, in Virginia, we call them rednecks. Okay. Yeah. And what we were discussing is redneck comes from, yeah, a, a, a labor uh, a big labor fight that happened. I think this was the same one, which was around the turn of the century, turn of the last century in West Virginia, there was this, it was the largest civil insurrection since the Civil War. Really? Yeah. It was something like, you know, 20,000 miners marched on from Mingo County, West Virginia, like marched on the capital of West Virginia and they called in the National Guard. And it was this whole thing where they were, there were like tens of thousands of armed miners ready to... <laughs> to rock yeah and they took all their guns they basically lied to them and said we're gonna give you what you want took all their guns and then proceeded to screw the union but that's i think where redneck comes from they wear red bandanas that's sad you know what vote for bernie everybody (laughs) (laughs) if killer mike likes him that's it does he I think so. Interesting. I think they're friends. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like they I love Killer Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I love his raps. I love his rhymes. Big Run the Jewels fan. <laughs> yeah. Talking about unions, that's how I feel about watching The Irishman now. Have you seen The Irishman? I haven't watched it. I will watch it, and I, wa- yeah. I will watch it in five sittings of, yeah. of one hour each or however Yeah, that's long it is. probably the right. Because I, yeah. I get all, like, I puff my chest because I'm like, yeah, you know, Hoffa was killed in Michigan. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, just saying. We got, we got him. <laughs> we got him. Yeah. <laughs> New York killed John Lennon. That's we right. We killed Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I got nothing to hang my head on. So, well, I tell you what, let's take a break because I want to watch Rocky one through three with you. Great. <laughs> uh, Greg, you're the best. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Thanks, uh, Adam. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk to you Eamon Hinckley. That's right. Hey, neighbors. Adam and Nate here to talk to you about Patreon. Now, this podcast is possible due to our Patreon patrons, and you can become one by going to patreon.com slash dead. Supporting the show on Patreon's easy. You pay what you can, and in return, you get My Neighbors Are Dead merch, behind-the-scenes info on how we make the show, a shout-out on future episodes, and more. You may be wondering what we use this money for. Well, we use it for things like production costs, website hosting, traveling for the show, and our monthly meds. We are both severely medicated. Sad but true. Now, podcasting isn't cheap, and we appreciate any help you can give. 
If you'd like to see how you can help out the show, go to patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Uh, thank you for doing this. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so nice. I'm glad I finally got a chance to sit you down and hear your story. Well, I, I'm happy to share my story and for anyone that it would help or uh, benefit in uh, in any walk of life. Well, I'm talking to Eamon Hinckley. Am I saying that right? Uh, that's right. Eamon Hinckley. From Utah. That's right. From, uh, from Utah, born and raised. I just got to drive through Utah not that long ago. It's a beautiful part of the state. Well, it is Country. a prom- promised land, as it's we like beautiful. to say. And you have quite the... Uh, fascinating job. You work for UDOT. That's right. I work for UDOT. Uh, basically, UDOT is all about keeping our roads safe. Mostly, it is uh, my job is uh, constituted by keeping the signage uh, correct, making sure the signage follows all the protocols, and making sure the signage is taken down when the uh, proper work has been done on the roadways. What drew you to that line of work? Well, I'm an organized person. I've always grown up looking for signs and uh, always liked uh, just the, the, the dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. And so uh, when I was a young boy growing up, I would often look at road signs and say, you know, think to myself, who, who puts those up and who takes them down? And uh, after I graduated from Brigham Young University in 1989 with a degree in accounting, I uh, could not find work at the time in accounting. And so I would uh, decided I wanted to account for something, and it turns out uh, the uh, UDOT was hiring. I think you're pretty lucky that you get to do the thing you were fascinated with as a child. Well, that's right. You know, I am uh, a part of the uh, a member of, ch- of the church, and um, you know, one thing that we always like to say at church is uh, we're always looking for signs, and uh, that's something that I all, uh, was doing quite literally. Can you remember the first time you saw something that you considered to be a sign as a kid? Like, what was that like? Was it a, a big reveal or or something kind of, you know, innocuous? What was that like for you? Well, now, uh, Adam, are you talking about uh, a road sign or are you talking about something that uh, showed me that God was working in mysterious ways? Can we do both? Oh, sure. Well, the first road sign that I ever saw was a, a yield sign. Now, uh, the yield is a, is a really interesting sign. It's a common triangle with a cr- another triangle on the inside. It's got yeah. three sides. And uh, yield is an interesting sign because uh, it's not an explicit directive. Uh, what yield is telling you to do is actually increase your awareness as you're entering from uh, one lane into another, or perhaps from, uh, we have uh, only two roundabouts in the entire state of Utah. Wow. And so you might have to yield as you go into a roundabout. So so yield was the first sign that I ever saw that I thought, wow, that's interesting. That is a, that's a directive, but it has an option to it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Now, uh, the first uh, the first sign that I ever took to be a more holy sign, uh, Adam, is actually um, when I was about 12 years old, I was uh, washing uh, some chicken bones for my grandmother in the sink and because she was liking to make a homemade chicken stock for me and uh, my 36 other um, uh, for the 36 other uh, uh, grandchildren. And um, uh, as I was washing those chicken bones, um, uh, one cracked open and the marrow came out. And the marrow uh, actually made the face of uh, Joseph Smith in the puddle of water that was in the bottom, bottom of the sink. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, that is, uh, that's an excellent sign. That's amazing that even at such a young age, you had the presence of mind to think this is something very important. That's right. Well, um, you know, uh, we like to say in the, uh, in the LDS church, uh, you know, nothing is surprising when it's God. I, that's great. That's right. I mean, it's all, he's got a plan, right? He does have a plan. I, again, I just admire that. Cause I think if that were me and that happened to me when I was a kid, I'd be like, this is gross. Get it out of here. But you had the presence of mind. No, I had the presence of mind. I actually tried to scrape up the little bloody uh, water face and put it onto a plate, which I then put into the ice box and froze. Wow. Right. What did you do with that? Uh, well, my grandmother kept it for many years. Uh, she made a, she would keep it in the freezer. It was kind of, you know, you know, when you try to transfer a puddle of water and then freeze it, it doesn't really hold its, uh, its original shape. But uh, oftentimes she would point to that bloody cloudy ice cube and say that was the, uh, and that was the sign that Eamon uh, saw. You know, my mom has a Bart Simpson birthday cake piece in her fridge that she's kept for me since I was 15. I'm not familiar with him, but... Uh, you haven't, he's never seen The Simpsons? Uh, I do know a Simpson. I know a Jeshua Simpson. He is a gentleman that lives up the road, and um, he, uh, he, but I don't know any other Simpsons. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, Eamon, if you get a chance, get pick up some DVDs, a season like five through 11 of The Simpsons, you're going to love it. It's okay. going to change your mind. 
You know,、uh, I still am using a VHS player, and I don't think that、uh, better technology has yet been invented, and so I'm going to stick with that. I mean, you're not wrong. VHS is great. Be kind, rewind. I used to work at a video store. That was our. That is, that is a kindness. Yeah. So, I mean, talk to me. You're pretty, you're pretty involved in road sign and like, you know, flare on the side of the road, maintaining like a proper traffic pattern for these people. Absolutely. So, what do you do in regards to, say, and I don't even know if this falls into your line of work, but it, say that in the unfortunate case of Charlie Graham, when, you know, her head smacks off of a telephone pole on one of your roads, what does that look like for you? Well, you know what that looks like to me,、uh, Adam, is um, uh, that what, what you're putting your finger on here is, is a little bit of a, a point of contention. And, okay. okay that, that's going to be between us at UDOT and the guys that are going to be over there at,、um, uh, at Ma Bell, as, as we say.、Mm-hmm. Um, now, now the, we actually have no jurisdiction over、uh, telephone poles. What we can do is we can、uh, put up a sign that does say there is a telephone pole placed close to the road. And, and what we actually had done that in that case,、uh, all along that highway. 55, there are going to be signs that are going to tell you a、uh, pole close to the road. Now,、okay. that's not a common sign you see oftentimes, but you know, we're, we're, sometimes we have to improvise because you know, those, those,、uh, those, guys at, uh, those guys over at the telephone company, they can be a little bit、uh, churlish and they can be a little bit、uh, full of、uh, vinegar when it comes to telling them to, to move the poles、uh, off the road. Is there some sort of like Conflict between you guys at UDOT and the telephone company? Well, yeah, we would, we would not want to call it a conflict. They would call it a conflict, and they've done things that would make it seem like a conflict, and we've retaliated in kind. Can you? Talk to me a little bit about that. What have you done? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, for that poll in particular, now that poll is one that's been、uh, in contention for about three and a half years. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, we we、uh, knew when those polls went in, they were putting a high speed fiber optic all along the highway. And we said, well, guys, these,、uh, these, these polls are four feet from the side of the road. Now that is a really close. That's, if you really think about it, that's a very close telephone pole. Very close. Yeah. And what we, would, we, what we said is、uh, hey, you know, we need that, that pole at least 25 feet from the road. That is a、uh, state, Utah state standard and also a federal standard.、Um, and these guys said the poles in the ground, we're not going to move it. So,、uh, well, what happened uh, uh, is uh, myself and a couple of my uh, uh, underlings, we went out one night with a chainsaw and we cut it down. And wouldn't you know it, the next day it was right back up again. That fast, huh? Absolutely. And they've got a pole. Post hole digger, and it is a steam powered post hole digger, and they can, they, they can put those in as fast as we can take them down. So, what we had was a John Henry scenario where we were cutting down telephone poles and they were putting them back up. Now,、um, finally,、uh, after the, the, the you know, cut to three years later,、yeah. as、uh, the Basically, an all out war between、uh, UDOT and、uh, the telephone company had ensued.、Uh, people were getting a little bit titchy because they weren't getting high speed fiber optic cable, and a lot of people want to watch their Netflix or, or whatnot. And so we decided, heck, we're going to leave these things in and we're going we're to show you. And then, wouldn't you know it, the very next day, a young lady gets her head hit on one. That next day, wow. <clears throat> I have so many questions about this.、Uh, and I don't know if this is inappropriate. If it is, I apologize. But Is, is there a casualty list for this war between UDOT and. and well, I've lost、one? three of my good soldiers and they've lost three. So right now it's a tit for tat where no one's won.、Uh, we like to call it a stalemate, but I have a feeling once the、uh, spring snows have melted, it'll, it'll be right back to where we started. Are you cooking up something for the spring coming up here? With the- well, we are cooking up something,、uh, Adam, and that's called good old fashioned napalm. It's basically some special soaps and、uh, gasoline mixed together that you can put in any kind of、uh, you know, throwing device or、uh, flamethrower. As we like to say. And、um, we're going to go ahead and、uh, cut down those telephone poles this spring. And if anybody comes around, they're going to get a, a heavy dose of what we call the, the sticky icky. And I got to say, I, I'm not one to pick sides, but I'm really hoping you guys at UDOT pull this out. Well, thank you.、Uh, we've got、uh, basically no community support, but、uh, we have a lot of belief in ourselves. Yeah, what, is it, what does this cost you, the taxpayers? Because I th- believe UDOT is a state funded organization, is it not? Yes, it is.、Uh, well, the,、uh, the, right now we're in、uh, conversations with、uh, local and state governments about raising the taxes because、uh, what we've put as a line item on the budget this year is just called a、uh, war slush fund. And if、uh, we feel like we need any advanced weaponry to fight the telephone company when it comes to getting these telephone poles, Off our roads. Well, that's、well, the slush funds that we're going to、uh, dip into. Well, I want to know more about the, the Graham family. I have some legal questions about what happens if somebody hits a head off of a public post or anything like that. But if people are listening in the great state of Utah and you really want to get the word out with the vote coming up here, with, we have an election. 
not too far away. Um, well, I am going to say that uh, you can do two things. Uh, one is to uh, vote for Jeshua Murphy, because if he does win, he will make me the czar of the roadways. Now, if I am able to be the czar of all uh, Utah roadways, then uh, I can pretty much guarantee we're not going to have any telephone poles in this state, and the roads are going to be absolutely taken care of. What kind of weaponry can we expect to be on the ticket coming up here with the election? Well, um, as you know, uh, in Utah, we are able to carry any gun of any size. But uh, what we'd like to say is um, if, if we see our road uh, men and women of, the, of UDOT out there uh, uh, packing heat, that's not going to give people uh, a lot of confidence in the type sure. of safety that we're providing. That is why we're thinking of bows and arrows. The classic. Classic bows and arrows. And uh, I'm putting every, everybody that's on, on my team through a basic archery class in case they uh, encounter any of the linemen as they're out there. Is there a place people can go for more information on this? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm on board. If I lived in Utah, I'd vote for you. But say there's people out there who live in Utah who might want to get a little more background on this. Yes. Uh, if you could uh, go to our website, it's uh, uh, bighardpole.com. Bighardpole.com. Right. Uh, please. I'll, I'll, I'll put that at the end, too. Make sure everybody, we can direct people to bighardpole.com. Okay. Um, so with all that being said, I think that's great. What do you do? And this has got to be a tough, tough spot to be in. With, say, like the Graham family, their daughter rips her head off on a telephone pole. Right. Is there any sort of legal responsibility on the family to pay fines or cleanup fees? Or is that a, a felony, a misdemeanor? What, what's going on with that part of it? Well, I, you know, Adam, I don't like to get bogged down into the uh, litigiousness of, of the whole thing. But, you know, if, if let, let me just put it this way, if we do a little mental exercise. If she had hit her head on a sign that was put up by UDOT. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to cover uh, all the uh, medical costs of trying to get that head back on. And we're, if that does not work, we're going to go ahead and we have a, we have a insurance policy that's going to take care of that family for a couple of years while, while they just get over the loss of that daughter. Now, um, the, the telephone company is not going to do that. They're going to fight you every single step of the way because mm -hmm. basically what we have is an insurance policy around each sign that we put up that says if this sign uh, causes you any uh, loss, dismemberment, or uh, you know, act of God pain, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be covered. A telephone company is going to fight you on that. So um, I, I don't know if they have uh, settled out of court, but um, I, I can imagine the telephone company probably went out after everything they have. I think that's a very not only responsible, but passionate and compassionate way to go about it. Well, signs, signs are safety. Safety is signs. And if that sign causes you to, it causes your uh, foot to stumble uh, or your hand to sin, we're going to make sure that, uh, that you're compensated. I'm talking to you today. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I have terrible cell service, cell service, cell, cell phone service, but I've never been let down by a road sign. Well, um, that's, uh, that's great. And it's probably because, uh, you know, a lot of the signage workers that, that uh, live in your your area are probably in similar wars with the telephone company. I'm going to have to look into that because that's probably true. If you have bad self-service, it most oftentimes is the case. This is a civic war that's happening in communities all over America. Well, you know, it's it's getting to be crunch time here for the election. Are you going to be hitting the road in Utah at all, kind of getting your word out? What is that? I mean, do you even do something like that? I don't know. Oh, absolutely, we do. Um, uh, this is this is where it can get a little confusing because uh, we are allowed to use campaign signs on roadways in Utah. So okay. a lot of times we'll put up a stop sign and it'll say stop. And then if you look close, it'll say and vote. <laughs> and so um, what was happening there is we were putting stop signs along the freeway and we're that that now that was causing a lot of accidents. So we had to we had to stop. Uh, that's uh, that's an unfortunate oversight. When you're going 75 miles an hour down a Utah freeway and you see a stop sign, it's going to scare the, the heck out of you. I think so, yeah. Right. I, I mean, they're big open freeways and they're gorgeous. Absolutely. Do you have any, um, and again, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but do you have any like big supporting backers for you? Because I know like we were talking earlier about uh, a guy named Bernie Sanders and he has a killer mic who stumps for him. What about you? Anybody coming in, coming to bat for you guys? Oh, absolutely. Well, we've got two uh, We've got two big names that are coming out for us. Uh, the first is John Stockton of the Utah Jazz. Former, He's a great uh, point guard. Of the former Utah Jazz. Now, uh, John Stockton, a lot of people don't know, is a, a an unbelievable sign historian. Is he really? Oh, absolutely. After he retired from professional basketball, he actually went to every single state to look at the types of state road signs that they have. That's fascinating. So when we put state, when we put road signs on the ballot, he was, he, he called us up and he said, I want a piece of the action. That's great. Um, the, the second person that we have uh, really coming out for us uh, strong and, and it's, it's, it's been really uh, surprising is, a, is a, a man out of California and he goes by the name of um, Ron 
Jeremy. And I don't know uh, what his background is, but he said he found us through our, web- through our website, and he's uh, so far maxed out his ca- campaign contributions. But apparently he's got a lot of fans. Um, he's got a lot of fans. I'm going to tell you, not a bad person to have in your corner. Oh, great. Well, not I look forward person. to meeting him. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for you. I think this is going to be one of the, the things, big ticket items I'll be following the most in this upcoming election. Oh, yes. Well, uh, you know, we're really looking to get the word out there that signs are better than polls. Polls, uh, polls cause holes uh, in heads and on bodies. Uh, signs save lives. Uh, that's something that we're working on the slant rhyme to try to find a better uh, uh, word for. But we are hoping that signs save lives is something that people will uh, start saying around the election. And I'm curious, too, just to kind of tie it back into the Graham family. You said in your insurance policy that you'll cover any medical bills trying to get these heads back on. Right. Yeah. Has this happened before? Is this kind of a common thing? People getting decapitated by your signs or uh, polls? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, okay, Adam. Uh, so no one's ever actually gotten decapitated by a sign. Now, I will say that we do have an insurance policy for that. Have they been decapitated by polls? Yes. This, is a, this has been a common thing since uh, these Polls are right next to the roadway all the way through Utah. And if, yeah, you know, and if you think about it, Adam, um, if our signs are at a safe distance, this is an insurance policy for something that is not going to happen. But if it is something, uh, if, it, if you lose your, your head on a pole, well, <laughs> we're sorry, buddy. We're not in your corner. Wow. Well, I mean, I think you've said it all with that. Absolutely. Um, uh, and by and, uh, and if and anybody has had a, a, a run-in with one of our Utah State Road signs, you can, uh, you can find me on... Uh, Friendster. Well, if you're in Utah, make sure you vote bigheartpoll.com. Bigheartpoll.com. And uh, yeah, please. And you're on uh, Friendster. And I'm on Friendster. Eamon Hinckley. Eamon Hinckley. Thank you very much for coming by. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And fuck the phone company. Oh, well, I wouldn't say it that way, but yes, I would. Thanks for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock. The show was produced by myself and Nate Dufort with editing done by Nate Dufort. Original music was composed by Jesse Case with additional music by Dane Halverson. Our artwork was done by Mark Nishan. Eamon Hinckley was played by Greg Hess. You can catch Greg as the co-host of the Campfire Media podcast, Mega, and also as a member of the Improvised Shakespeare Company. If you'd like to support My Neighbors Are Dead while getting unique swag and a look behind the scenes of how we make the show, go to patreon.com slash mynaborsaredead. No amount is too small and every bit helps. If you have yet to rate and review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a second to do so now. It helps us grow and it helps new neighbors find the show. And you can find us on Facebook and at Instagram at My Neighbors Are Dead and on Twitter at My Dead Neighbors. Stop by, give us a follow, and share your favorite episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hiya, I'm Hallie Labonte from Mega the Podcast. I'm a weekend producer at Twin Hills, a fictional mega church in Broad Ripple, Indiana. And I'm Gray Haas. I'm the youth pastor of our church's teen ministry called Climax. On every episode of Mega the Podcast, we improvise with a new guest comedian playing a different character from our community. Tune in and hear episodes with guests like Cecily Strong. How would you me off or whatever? Sorry, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You know what? It's covered in the blood. Rory Scovel. Uh, yeah, I said, hey, we could build houses or we could, uh, we could build our faith in Christ out on a golf course. Eliza Coop. The way I plow the snow yeah. is uh, I'm not doing it by any other guidance except from from God. And Scott adds it. Physics is the proof of God. Wow. Because it's perfect. Oh. oh well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We couldn't think of physics. Right. Only he could think of physics. Isn't that right? We're on Campfire Media. Listen to Mega wherever you find podcasts. Campfire.